0: From 99.9 The Fan, this is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. It's 5 o'clock. Time to get in the know
1: with the biggest sports stories of the day. Here is your daily checkdown. down. Hit it. Alongside Luis Fernandez, Dennis Cox here with you. Carolina Hurricanes back in action tonight. Are they going to do the thing? I hope so. I hope so, too. That's Luis Fernandez. Let's get into it. it. All right, before we actually get into the Carolina Hurricanes tonight, some other things we want to touch on here as our fifth thing here on our Daily Checkdown brought to you by Window Nation. PJ Championship Indeed. wrapped up this yesterday. Brooks Kepka got a win. But the, the the big story was actually not the guy who actually won it. It's the guy who stole the show, Michael Block. Who who's Michael Block? Who is Michael? Block? I don't Block? know. I see this guy on the leaderboard. I go, who's that guy?
2: So Michael Block is a, a course pro. So he he is not like you know if you are you or I like we're golfing and then suddenly went to the PGA Championship. But but he is he's someone who isn't normally in this kind of situation on a Sunday playing with Rory McElroy, uh hanging out in the top ten of the PGA Championship. He's been an absolute amazing story to follow, um, getting a chance to, to come and play for uh, a PGA Championship. Not doing it, but, but he's found a lot of success afterwards, getting some notoriety, some things uh, back from the PGA, essentially.
1: So, for those who don't know what a club pro is, basically, any of these larger golf courses, a lot of them really, actually have a what's known as a club pro, Who, if you want to have lessons, whether you want to learn how to play golf, or maybe you just want to perfect your swing, a club pro is someone that offers lessons, you know, has an hourly rate. And those are the people that you talk to in order to basically learn how to improve your game, whatever it is. So that's what he does. That's what he does for a living. He's what, 46, 47 years old?
2: he He said earlier in his 46 years of living.
1: Yes. So, yeah, 46 years old. This guy somehow qualifies for the PGA Championship. Is in the top 10. Has a final round pairing, like you said, with Roy Roy McIlroy. Has a hole-in-one yesterday. I mean, this is full-on, like, 10-cup level stuff almost. Yeah. And sure enough, he gets a call from the PGA, or from the The Charles Schwab Schwab Invitational, I think it's next week. Gets a sponsor's exemption To go play in a PGA Tour event. Now, this is different than the PGA Championship because the PGA PGA of America runs the PGA Championship, but the PGA Tour is something that's separate. He actually gets to go play on the PGA Tour. Even if it is for only one tournament, and you never know, it might even make the cut. Only plays two rounds, still pretty awesome. Here's Michael Block talking about the opportunity to, hey, you get to go play at least in one PGA Tour event.
3: You said it yesterday that this was the best week of your life. What do you call it now?
1: Thanks, Amanda. I
2: appreciate you making me cry. Um, uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I'm living a dream. I'm making sure that I enjoy this moment. I've learned that after the, my 46 years of life that uh, it's not going to get better than this. There's no way. No chance in hell. So uh, I'm going to enjoy this, and thank you.
1: I don't know. Win this upcoming tournament; it might get even better. I,
2: it's so. I just, I love hearing the joy, in in his words and in in that moment for him. It's it's amazing, truly. He he had an ace, uh, in the back nine on a Sunday, the only ace of the entire tournament. I, yeah. it, it you couldn't you couldn't write a better script. Uh, by the way, Kepka By the way, uh, one of twenty people to ever win five or more majors. So Brooks Impressive. Kepka. he's he's in rare air. Uh, from from a golf perspective, right now, that's for sure. All right, let's go and go to number four.
0: One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four.
2: So we're going to go ahead and get this started we're talking about Duke specifically, but we're going to touch on a lot of different of the uh, the quote unquote non revenue sports, if mm-hmm. you will, in this little section here. Uh, so Duke softball, a very young program, is going to its first is going to host its first ever Super Regional. It's its second Super Regional of all time. So in in baseball and softball in the NCAA tournament, for those of you who who don't know, uh, you have uh, each team is divided up into uh, one region. Uh, You have one team that hosts the region, four teams that play in the region, and then one team advances out of every region. Uh, It's a double elimination style tournament. So for Duke, they went undefeated. They won three times. Uh, They ended up on Sunday beating uh, Charlotte, uh, you had Charlotte, you had Campbell as well in yeah. that region. Uh, and so uh, they go in there. They, they, it was a little bit of a controversial ending, some kind of uh, obstruction type things going on at the top of the seventh, but they, they were down going into the top of the seventh and they score uh, three runs. to go four uh, two huge for Duke. Congratulations to them. They will now host uh, Stanford. They are number eight. Stanford is number nine. They will host Stanford uh, next week or at the end of this week, I should say now that it's Monday. Uh, so, Congrats to Duke, uh, softball getting it done, hosting its first ever Super Regional.
1: Also, an ACC and locally, UNC Women's Tennis wins a national championship, having beat NC State in the national championship yeah. match. Uh, so, UNC Women's Tennis wins a national title. Uh, also, the ACC Baseball Tournament gets underway starting tomorrow at Durham Bulls Athletic Park. Both UNC, NC State, and Duke all playing tomorrow. Uh, UNC, uh, NC State and Duke actually face each other at 7 o'clock tomorrow night is a scheduled first pitch. And UNC is set to play tomorrow's first pitch scheduled at 3 o'clock. Games are every day, 11 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 7 o'clock. And, I mean, it's all day baseball fair.
2: And the the weather is going to be beautiful, too, for anyone that goes Perfect. out there to, to DBAP. It's going to be awesome. And I think, too, one thing to note, it starts off in pool play, right? Yes. So three teams in every pool, 12 teams total. So State and Duke are in the same pool. Yep. So, whoever has the best record in each pool advances to the single elimination tournament starting on Saturday. So, Duke and NC State are going to be battling out to eliminate each other. Duke is squarely in the tournament, uh, the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think they're set right now to host a region. Probably. Uh, and so, so they're in good shape. But State would need to make some magic happen this weekend in order to get in. They're hanging out kind of right uh, off the bubble a little bit. So, um, it's it's going to be a very impactful, very pressure-filled uh, few games there at the DBAP. It's going to be fun.
1: And Mark Bergen and I will be out there broadcasting live from the, D, uh, from the DBAP. Get also, a hot dog. Uh, yes, absolutely. If we're going to get that, the, the the soft pretzels, everything. We're getting all of it tomorrow. Uh, also, uh, in terms of local sports here in NCAA Tournament, back to championship weekend, Duke men's lacrosse on to national championship weekend. They were actually going to face Penn State. Three ACC schools in the Men's Lacrosse Championship. ACC Final is four. pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. One seed Duke, two seed Virginia, three seed Notre Dame, fifth seed Penn State all getting there. Duke plays Penn State, Notre Dame and Virginia play each other on Saturday. All right, next up. One, two, three. Are we going to get two sweeps in the NBA Conference Finals? Because that just sounds boring. It does. In my opinion. And I, I'm sure the NBA is also not liking this because – they set the date for the start of their NBA finals on a certain date. So we might actually go like a week plus with no NBA playoffs. So here's here's what I'm thinking with both
2: both the Eastern Conference and Western Conference. By the, the West- way, the
1: the Nuggets lead the Lakers 3-0. The Heat lead the Celtics 3-0. Uh, the Celtics look
2: terrible yesterday. They, I mean they look like the Celtics look like they're done. Like, I mean, Jalen Brown, we we actually heard from Jalen Brown. Uh, you know, one of the, the Celtic stars, and he, he sounded pretty defeated.
0: It's obvious uh, obvious letdown. I feel like we let our fan base organization down. We let ourselves down. And it was collective. We can point fingers. Um, but in reality, it was just embarrassing.
2: Ooh. Ooh, oof. they're still, I mean, they're, he's, they're not still been, no, he, he's not wrong. No, he's I not mean, wrong. not wrong. when, when Duncan Robinson and, and all of them are, are just absolutely torching you, which was part of what he said as well. And like kind of, in addition to that, he talked a lot about how, you know, Hey, these, these guys that, that the heat have are not supposed to be better than us. They are not supposed to beat us, but they are, you got to give them kudos, kudos for that. But I mean, that he's talking like they just lost game four. But there's still one more game left, you know, to avoid the sweep. At the very least, you beat you beat Miami in Miami, and then all of a sudden it's three one, and, and that is a lot easier to do than than 0 I, it's just it is, it's disappointing what the Celtics have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they were in the finals last year. Uh, they have so many stars of whether it be Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, and, and to see them fall apart here, they've. And it's not just this, too. They've struggled in the postseason mightily. They lost uh, a few games to Atlanta. That game, that series was a lot closer than it, it probably should have been. The 76ers were, you know, not the best team. And Joel Embiid was struggling with some injuries as well. And, and they took that to game seven. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum had to score 51 points to to keep it, to keep the, to get the win, to, to avoid losing that series. It's just, it is, it is bad looks all around for the Boston Celtics in every way, shape, and form.
1: What's not a great look is their head coach, Joe Masula, saying, hey, we weren't ready to play.
0: Joe, the, the biggest game of the season, a game you had to have, and you guys just looked completely lost after the first six minutes. What exactly happened out there? Uh,
2: I just didn't have them ready to play. I just didn't have them ready to play. I should have, uh, whatever it was, whether it was a starting lineup, whether it was an adjustment, just I have to get them in a better place ready to play, and that's on
3: me. This is the story of the one.
1: That's concerning if you hear, yeah, I didn't get him ready to play. I'm sorry. You're down 0-2 in the series. How are you not ready to go? Against the Miami Heat. Yeah. Who you you know
2: that Eric Spolster is oh, going to be in his bag.
1: Who, honestly, let's be real about the Miami Heat, barely even made it into the playoffs. They lost the first play-in game. They lost. They lost in the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, now we have to must win. I forget who it was uh, in the muscle-winning the game. Oh, not the, I'm the Heat. I'm sorry. It was the Heat. The Bulls. The Bulls. The yeah, Bulls. against Chicago. Like, and they, this is how close the Miami Heat weren't even to making the playoffs. They were losing
2: to the Bulls with less than two minutes in the fourth quarter yeah. in that second do-or-die play-in game. And here they are, one game away from getting back to the NBA Finals. Jimmy Butler. I mean... I, I'm not gonna say he's MJ, but he's got one. He has got that MJ DNA in him when it comes to playing in the postseason. He was. Did you see all his celebration shots? Like they there's some. Go online and look up like the Getty images of that game three. Oh, the pettiness that was just oozing off of Jimmy Butler. It was amazing. I'm for it. And then when you go to the West too, I mean the Lakers weren't supposed to be in this situation. They were two and ten, I think, at one point. Mm-hmm. So like. It's, it's a better look for the Lakers, but if, if I had to pick a series that would not be a sweep, I would pick the Lakers getting a game against the Nuggets. But that, I think, has less to do with what I think about the Lakers and more to do with how I feel about the Celtics right now, honestly. I'm with you. All right, number two.
1: And I don't even care who number two is.
2: The Carolina Panthers. Yes. One of 21 teams, I believe, today to start. OTA everyone's favorite thing organized team activities i you know that sounds like we're about to like start making some cookies we're going to hang out like sounds great in. that sounds great yeah man we'll i would make do, cookies i'm going to grab some chocolate chip cookies on the way home just bake them or something when i get when i get back uh but regardless the carolina panthers are doing their ota thing which means running against air which means making sure Players don't touch the ground, which I get. I mean, you don't, you don't want anyone to get injured. No one getting hurt in OTAs is a win, in my opinion. And the quarterback situation is obviously what everyone is going to follow. Uh, let's go ahead hear from uh, head coach Frank Reich uh, about what that quarterback situation is looking like.
0: I thought they were really sharp, all three of them. I mean, there weren't, there shouldn't be, but, uh, you know, there weren't very many balls on the ground today. Um, so I thought they were sharp. I thought all three of them saw it well, were good on their decisions, um, where the ball was going. I thought the ball location, you know, even on the easier throws was where it needed to be for all three quarterbacks.
1: Yeah. I mean it's it's against okay. the air. A, well, they had the defenses out there, but it's just not no contact or any of that kind of stuff. Which is fine. The only thing that I want to see from Bryce Young, do you get it? That's the only one to say, do you get it in terms of processing the playbook, know the playbook, and just it's okay if you make mistakes, but when you do make a mistake, you learn and you adapt from it. To me, that in my head, that's, that's getting it. And I want to see any sort of progress on him just, again, getting understand, it. just, again, just do you get it, yes or no, whatever it is. And here's actually Frank Reich talking about Bryce Young picking things up pretty quickly, whether it's from Andy Dalton or from others.
0: It's just good. It's really good for Bryce to kind of see Andy handle things the way he's handling them, and obviously Bryce is – you know, picked it up extremely fast, um, but it feels like it feels like we got a good plan and we're doing the right thing.
2: When it comes to being a pro, I think that there are a lot worse quarterbacks that you could be learning from than Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a great situation for Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. Um, really, at this point in OTAs, it's to me, it's less about. I mean, there there are things that he's going to do in the locker room. There are ways he's going to inspire the team. There's ways he's going to show that hey. I'm the number one guy, but I don't think I'm better than you. Like those type of things that are going to stand out. But to, to me, a lot of times in OTAs, when it comes to like first round quarterbacks, especially, it's you can establish that good connection, that good culture with the team, uh, or you can essentially start off on the wrong foot mm-hmm. is, is how I kind of view it. But when you listen to Bryce Young talk about any kind of uh, privilege that he may have being the number one overall pick, it, it seems pretty clear to me that this guy, he's he he's got it where i was drafted doesn't entitle me to anything in this league um i've never thrown a thrown a nfl pass in a game you know i haven't done anything i have you know no stats no wins nothing so um you know we're all on an even playing field once you get to to the to the league where you get drafted you know that, that again that doesn't entitle me to anything um so i have to work you know i have to try to do my best and i have to work as hard as as i can to make sure that every day i'm trying to get better every day i'm improving and trying to do my best to help the team because again no one no, a draft pick doesn't give you any points, you know. It doesn't tie you to anything. So there's a lot more work I need to do. And again, I know regardless of where I got picked or anyone else, you know, we're on an even playing field. And I just want to do what I can to help the team.
1: I like it. To me, that's getting it. Yep. That's getting it. And also, there's one last thing that Frank Reich had brought up today about— you mentioned about culture and things trying to mm. change the culture around because Matt Rule stunk. Uh, as the head coach, stinky, yeah. Stinky. You know, there was there's, there. Yeah, there's there's that. Uh, he brought stink <laughs> to, the, to the city of Charlotte. But nevertheless, Frank Reich talked about how he spoke with veteran players about how they want things to change.
0: The guys that I've talked to here, you know, the last couple of years. um this, this is a crazy league. There's a lot of reasons for a lot of things. So I'm not saying it's any one thing, but you know. Sometimes you just need to have that moment where you like, enough is enough, right? We're gonna start winning. And, um, you know, that's the mentality, the attitude that we want. And, but what does it take? And part of what it takes is those young players, those young studs being leaders on the field and in the locker room. So that's what we'll look for. Enough
1: is enough, and it's time for a change. That's right. Channeling his inner Owen Hart, enough is enough. Time for a change. I uh, like this from Frank Reich, and I like this
2: from the Carolina Panthers. I, I do, too. Like, are you are you not going to? I would put it this way. In May, are you going to win football games? No, but you can put yourself in a position to lose football games by what you're doing in May. And right now, I think that the Carolina Panthers are putting themselves in a position to win football
1: games come September, October, and November. One. All right, number one thing here on the Daily Checkdown brought to you by Window Nation. It's game three tonight. Let's go, Canes. Come on. Let's go. I am all in on Canes getting a win tonight because let's be real. They, they don't have any other choice. Well, there's also that. But we have seen this team in the first two games be step for step with Florida. They're not outmatched. They're not being outplayed. Both teams have missed on chances because, let's be honest, as much as we talk about Carolina Hurricanes missing on opportunities, so have the Florida Panthers, okay? But Carolina, I, I believe tonight, walks out of that arena down in sunrise with a win for a multitude of reasons. First one is this. One, they've been again in, in this game or in every game. Again, these are overtime losses. It's not like they're being outplayed. It's not like they played above their level and have been like – and Florida played down to theirs. That That's not been the case. You can also, you can argue that Carolina overall has outplayed Florida. Yeah. You can say that. Also, Sergey Bobrovsky will show at some point that he is human. <laughs> Let's be honest. He will show at some point that he is an actual human being, and physically I think he will wear down. The guy has played over 200 minutes of hockey, 200 minutes of hockey, whereas Carolina is going back to Freddie Anderson in net tonight, and I think this is an opportunity with Carolina with a fresh Freddie who, let's be honest, if Carolina had one game One, all the talk is how great Freddie Anderson played. Oh, absolutely. How many point-blank after point-blank after point-blank save did he make? Did he make in the third period and all throughout overtime in game number one? He was outstanding. He was equally parts as great as what Sergei Bobrovsky was. Yes. Let's call it what it is. Absolutely. I know Bobrovsky made more overall saves, but in terms of how great both those guys played, Freddie was just as good as Bobrovsky in game one.
2: And, and the quality of the shots, too, that Freddie was facing in that third period and overtime. I mean, it was it was massive. He he was the reason why the Canes made it to four overtimes yeah. in that game. Um. So no, I, I think that's totally fair because if listen, if Sergei Bobrovsky does not like play down, if he does, if he stays like this, congratulations to your 2023 Stanley Cup champions, the Florida Panthers. Yeah, like I mean, because he's he's a he's a Terminator, showing no emotion, very casual, just doing his thing, acrobatic saves all over the place. He looks great, but it, it will come down to can the Canes just make it difficult for him? He has uh, 17.3 goals uh, saved above expected, which is Ridiculous! He's saved. He has uh, 30 goals allowed uh, in this in this postseason. Mm-hmm. The expected goals uh, are expected for him to be at about 47, which is absurd. That that is that is the difference between the Panthers being in the Eastern Conference Final on the verge of being on the, in the Stanley Cup Finals to uh, the the Panthers losing to the Bruins in, in the first series. He he is he has been everything for this Florida Panthers team. You know, I just it, it's going to be about making it as difficult as possible for him. Don't don't hit him in the chest. Make him stretch. Make him reach. You know, put him the same thing that you see happening with Freddie and and um, and Auntie Ranta in like Game Two or Game One, mm-hmm. where there are these one-on-one opportunities with a Florida Panthers player in front of the net. You have to find those opportunities, create those opportunities for yourself. And when you get them, when you get that power play in the third overtime, when you get that power play late in the third period, yeah, you have to take advantage and you have to score.
1: They're just a couple small moments away. Carolina has been. Truly. A, I mean, again, go back to game one, first overtime. Bobrovsky on a on a penalty kill for Florida. Gains run a power play. Puck comes right to the high slot where Seth Jarvis is sitting. And he puts the puck over Bobrovsky, and he elevated the puck like he needed to. Hits right off the bottom of the crossbar drops straight down, and bounces out.
2: Was was that the one where the entire PNC arena is I, like, oh, and
1: celebrates, I but everyone's thought, like, What? Yeah, because honestly, I, for for a moment, I thought it actually hit the back bar inside the goal and bounced straight out yeah. for a moment. But no, it actually hit the crossbar, went straight down, and bounced out. That's literally a centimeter down that's in the back of the net. That hits the bottom of the bar and goes into the back of the net. Uh, uh, Martin Nages on a breakaway late in the third period. The puck after a chip up from 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 the neutral zone from Tavo Teravainen, the puck just never was never able to sit flat. Nope. Just never able. Uh, was never able to do that. So it's just, again, it's just little moments like that here and there where things can make a difference. Now, Florida Panthers are the hottest team going in the playoffs right now. They've won nine of ten, going all the way back to the 3-1. being down being down three to one to the Boston ridiculous. Bruins and having to go on the road down three one, and they won two of those. The, they won two of those final three games against Boston in overtime. And they also had the two overtime wins against the Hurricanes, and they had two overtime wins against the Toronto Maple Leafs as well. You, They're six and zero in the in the in overtime this postseason. They've won nine to ten. This is a hot and running team right they, now. They can't
2: keep getting away with this. Exactly. That's that's you can't you can't stay undefeated in overtime when you have that many overtime games. That's just that's not how things work. That's not how things work in the postseason. You're going to lose an overtime game eventually. The law of averages comes for us all. I, that's, that's where I'm at with, this, with what's going on with the Panthers right now. Because it's, it's either they come back down to earth or they are not going to be stopped. Water will find its level.
3: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quitgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: couple NFL notes here. Uh, in 2025, Dream Bay is hosting the NFL draft. Do they have enough hotels? Eh. <sighs> Okay, if you want to travel there are a lot of people that actually like to travel to the NFL draft, and I totally get that. But to get to Green Bay, this is the as someone who previously had once lived in Wisconsin, the best way to get to Green Bay, fly into Milwaukee and drive two and a half hours north to Green Bay. That is the best way, easiest way to travel to Green Bay.
2: What I was telling Dennis during the break is, I remember watching um, the the Kansas City draft this mm-hmm. year, and you had either somebody who was like cutting barbecue from like behind, like on the stage, right next to the stage, nice. and like handing it out to people. Like, like it's just it. really good looking barbecue. I want someone on the stage just with, like a bucket of cheese curds or like fried cheese curds, and just t- just tossing them out to the crowd. That I would I would go. If if there are going to be cheese curds thrown to the crowd, I will be there. That's how I would view it. Um, so you have the draft situation. Uh, we now know in twenty twenty six, the Super Bowl will be played at Levi Stadium, which is in Santa Clara, the San okay. Francisco area. So um, first one since
1: uh, since the Panthers. Oh boy, since the Panthers Super Bowl fifty, Panthers Broncos. That was that was unintentional. You had to bring it I back up. I didn't
2: realize. Um, yeah. So that was that was a uh, that was about ten years ago. Almost 10 years ago. It was ago.
1: 2015, 2016.
2: Yeah. Okay, maybe, maybe a little less than 10 years. But it, it's still, it's, it's close. It's close. Um, and then the one I think that's going to really stand out to a lot of different people here is the Thursday night football mm. rule. Um, so NFL owners, this is from Tom Pellicero, uh, NFL owners approved a modified proposal for flexing Thursday night football games. Modified being the key emphasis there. The restrictions are it only applies to week 13 through 17. A maximum of two flexes per season and 28 days notice required. Pellicero says in the tweet that it is, quote, a high bar. Um, I I am much better with that than I was with the notion of just constantly flexing Thursday night football to get the best matchup. Because I, I already think Thursday night football is uh, horrific for for players just from the perspective of that quick turnaround. Yeah. I mean, and then you, if you throw in, like, turf and things like that, like, it's it, that is a really tough turnaround for players. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that there are at least some restrictions to mm-hmm. that because if there weren't, oh, my gosh. Like, just, just tell me you don't care about player safety, NFL. Uh, but at least 28 days noticed, uh, two flexes per season max. So when you get, like, the, you know, it's week 15, and you have, uh, you know, the two, like, two and uh 13 teams playing each other that that classic AFC South matchup or whatever it is uh you know on Thursday night football that gets flexed out and instead you have maybe like a matchup that really matters like uh Panthers Falcons or something like that you know what i mean see look i came back i came back does that am i forgiven for bringing up the super bowl 50 now no Thursdays?
1: no okay no <laughs> okay. no you're not. <laughs> okay. that that Vaughn Miller still haunts Carolina Panthers fans.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And there are a lot of Carolina Panthers fans who are out there still upset that Cam Newton didn't try and go after that fumble. Listen, I I think I
2: constantly, as a Bengals guy, I constantly think about Aaron Donald pointing at his ring finger. So I I feel your pain. It is, losing a Super Bowl is like the worst. It is awful. I hate it so much. Um, But hey, you know what? Things are maybe pointing up with the Carolina Panthers, and it all starts with the OTAs that began today.
1: That's right, they did. Carolina Panthers, like you said, started OTAs. We'll see how things turn around for that organization in regards to new head coach, new quarterback. They have shifted things in regards to how they're doing stuff, and I am 100% on board to see where this thing goes. But
2: if we want to talk about organizations that have already made that shift, that are right there on the precipice of greatness. Mm-hmm. Carolina Hurricanes. Yes. Game 3 tonight 8 p.m. you can watch it on TNT, you can listen to it on 999 the fan. Uh it's it's going to be a great time hopefully for for the Hurricanes. Uh and uh you know there if there's one thing that's worse than being down 2 nothing, it's being it's down 3 nothing. Yeah, it's so. being down 3 nothing.
1: And I want to make sure I don't upset our good friend Marcel now. Um <laughs> he's, he knows he's listening. I, I know he's 100% listening right now. So the th- here's the thing is that Carolina and Florida between these two teams it's obvious that they're 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 just neck and neck with each other. I don't think either team is is outclasses the other or is just simply better than the other. Both these teams have been great this series. They have a similar philosophy now how they go about doing or executing what they want to do on the ice in terms of taking away space in the neutral zone, things along those lines. They, they do it slightly differently. Carolina is very much, they they play tight to you, stick on puck in neutral zone. Florida likes to, to be a little bit more physical. But again, the philosophy is still the same. Um, no team is obviously overly better than the other, as evidenced by the fact that both these games went to overtime. <laughs> and again, it's not because of one team playing down to the other's level, or one team playing above their standard. It's an even matchup. This e- this the series easily easily could be two nothing in favor of the Carolina Hurricanes, but at the end of the day, Matt Rule, it's not. Matt at the Rule. end of the day, it's not. It's two nothing Florida Panthers and Carolina. It's an old cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. You have to win this one tonight. You do. Simple as that. If you go down 3 nothing, this series is over. They might not get swept. They might win one more game, and we have a game five back here on Friday. But if they lose tonight, I don't see them winning four straight. I don't. They have to win tonight. The, the action on the ice Tells me
2: this is a seven-game series. Mm-hmm. The results are obviously in a different situation, but to to me, like that's with how tight it has been and how close it's been, I expect this to go seven games. Like that's just that's just the vibe. But the thing is. um I think a lot of times like when I almost view it as like kind of in the, in the perspective of there are seven iterations of this game that are played out, right. If it goes Mm -hmm. to seven games and in those, in order to get to a seven game series, you have to have things go one way. You have to have things go another. If those things going the Panthers way just happen to happen, you know, in game one, two, three, and four, well then the series is over, but just with how tight the series has been, it's been fun. It's been exciting. And I hope for all the hockey fans out there, that this goes to seven games because I think it would be a great time.
1: I, I will say this. As much as we get wrapped up as being fans and the wins and the losses, if we if we take a step back somewhat from the emotion of that and just enjoying the fact that what we're seeing is that these are two of the best teams, like legit two of the best teams. No one is here by mistake. Nope. No one is in this position by they lucked out or got a couple bounces or they faced a team that had 900 injuries or whatever it was, both these teams are showing that, hey, we're the two best in the Eastern Conference right now, and we're proving it on the ice. And that's why why these games have been so equal, in my opinion, is because these are truly the two best teams. And if we step back from the emotion of the wins and losses as fans and just enjoy the fact that we are seeing a really awesome series right now. And I actually – I've always liked watching Matthew Kachuk as a player because, again, taking away the fact that he scored two overtime winners against Carolina, just watching the way that he plays the game. But something that he actually said post-game, and I wish I had pulled the audio of this, but I was in the post-game presser on Saturday, and he said, you know, a lot of people around the NHL and just the sports world in general, but the NHL, don't give enough credit to the fan bases of both of these teams. That's true. he true. Because he said he was asked about going back to Florida, being up 2-0, and he said it's going to be a crazy environment. It's going to be a lot of fun. He was anticipating. He's like, but you have to give this fan base credit for what the atmosphere that they present here is like. This building gets rocking. It's as loud as any building in the NHL. And he says you have to make sure that you give credit to these fan bases, these markets for the for what they have and what's been built here. And this is somebody who previously started his career in Calgary, got traded this offseason to South Florida. He gave credit, 100% respect and credit to not only his own fan base, but unsolicited pointed out the fan base here in Carolina. He said, like, look, the NHL needs to understand and recognize what has been built here. Even though we're not two of the biggest markets, you got to show respect to to." to what both of these franchises, these teams, offer on the ice and also to the fans as well. Like, you have to show them respect. And I was like, hey, this is what we have been saying for the longest time about, hey, NHL, put some respect on the fan bases of these two franchises. I mean, both these, like Marcel, showing the energy of a lot of South South Florida hockey fans right now, Florida Panther fans are, hey, we're here and we're actually passionate about this team. And you have to show them respect, too. This, yeah, it's not Toronto. It's not New York. It's not Montreal. Whatever. Fine. Who cares? But that doesn't mean that our fandom is any less than theirs. And that's the Matthew Kachuk was pointing it out. I was like, hey, you know what? Props to a guy who was actually born in the United States as well. Like, And just c- continued props to, to Matthew Kachuk for pointing that out. Now, just stop scoring overtime winners. Yeah, may- maybe be a little, like, be a little bit nicer. You can nicer. chill on nicer. that. You can chill on that